still quite a bit. You so. ready, Philip? Yeah, ready. If you guys hear my cat, I'd like to open the door and she's really mad. Nice mug. Listeners, that is dearly beloved from Kingdom Hearts 2. And I'm Philip, and welcome to Listening Together. For me and my co-host Nave, take a listen, a deep listen. Some songs that maybe can unlock our hearts. But we are joined this week by two guests. How would you introduce them, Nave? Alright, first off, we got a returning guest from Listening Together, the first returning guest on this side series we've got. We've got Nick from but uh I almost said between two games from the Friday night <laughs> gamecast. <laughs> Hey, what's up, guys? Well, happy to be back. Happy to be back. We're, we're not talking about hell this time, uh, so this is uh, exciting for me. Yeah, we're talking about heaven now, apparently. I, I, so I heard. From <laughs> so we heard. like Eric. <laughs> we got Eric also. And yeah. uh, say hello, Eric. Hey, guys. I, my name's Eric from the Unlockables Podcast. I've been on the show before. Uh, Phil, Nave, thank you guys so much for having me back on. Nick, excited to record with you uh, once again this year. That'll make, I think, at least three times this year that we've recorded together. three so, times. That's exciting. So, yeah, we're, we're going to set a new record here. But uh, thank you guys for having me on <laughs> to listen to uh, the soundtrack for one of my literal favorite games of all time. It's very exciting. And I didn't... <laughs> I didn't say Eric's podcast, so I'm sorry. I don't know why. I, <laughs> That's didn't do that. I was like, "Were you going to say my podcast?" I don't know. So, <laughs> very tired and hungover. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, we'll start with you, Eric. Which, why did you want to talk about the Kingdom Hearts Two soundtrack? Uh, yeah. When you guys kind of approached me about a soundtrack, I wanted to listen to and and, and kind of talk about on the show. That to me, there was really no other soundtrack that I thought of first than the Kingdom Hearts Two soundtrack. I mean, um, you guys kind of know from our Pod Circle and anybody that has listened to my show knows that kingdom hearts 2 is an immensely immensely important and special game to me uh it's like literal favorite game of all time for my literal favorite franchise of all time so and uh the music is just uh in this series as well as in kingdom hearts 2 is just incredible um the fabulous yoko shimamura so when you guys approached me about it i knew what i wanted to do and you guys graciously agreed to uh to to listen to it so that's that's why perfect what about you nick why are you here oh man <laughs> it's like, yeah, Nick, I, just, here, man. I just i like jumping on the shows man i don't give a fuck honestly i just want to come and talk to you guys about some of our favorite soundtracks that we've had but actually no seriously um this is like i'm, I'm right there with eric kingdom hearts 2 is legitimately one of my favorite games and uh probably one of the most nostalgic games from my childhood uh for sure and i just think that uh yeah the soundtrack is a masterpiece so i had to jump on and uh, talk about it with you all right uh sweet those are both, you know, it's kind of weird because I don't have any experience with the Kingdom Hearts games besides the first one. Gasp. Which I played when they put out the, <laughs> the yeah, I know, the remake on a, a Game Pass for a little bit. I'm like, oh, what's this Kingdom Hearts thing everyone's been talking about <laughs> as I'm, you know, 27 years old. Get in there and Doesn't your my wife, wife love Kingdom Hearts. Yeah, my wife, she, she really loves the first one. I was going to oh, say it would be like a really fun game to play with the kiddos, right? Yeah. Uh, no, they weren't into it. I tried. Oh, damn. With these Disney like people. Duck. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> Where's well, the culture? Whenever, uh, you know, I first started dating my wife back when we were, you know, teenagers or whatever, high school sweethearts, uh, 
I go over and she's like, oh, you love video games. You know, I, I happen to have some games myself. And she pulled out like a PlayStation 1 with like Kingdom Hearts on it, which was on PlayStation 1 or PlayStation 2? It was PS2. PlayStation 2, yeah. Okay, it was 2. It was one of the flat 2s that probably. Yeah. And I'm like, what is this dinosaur? Meanwhile, we're playing Bioshock on 360s at yeah. the time. And then she's like, yeah, check this out. You know, this level's like really hard. And it was like the Agrabah level. And I start playing. I'm like, what is this trash? I don't know. Not like, hard what? at all. <laughs> well, no, I mean, the game was like weird and clunky and it wasn't that it wasn't hard at all. It's just, I don't think she did any grinding or anything like that. Mm-hmm. I think she tried yeah. to just like run through the game. So That'll do like, it. Meanwhile, whatever I played it, just by like going and doing every side quest and side anything I could, I felt yeah. so over leveled by the end of the game. It didn't matter. Yeah. When you're a, ga- <laughs> yeah. When you're a hardcore butt chugging Mountain Dew gamer like us, we do genocide runs of video games. <laughs> yeah. I get Nothing anytime lives. someone approaches me, I'm like, I do the jojo pose i'm like oh me and yeah, i right. destroy the stupid little rat goblins that pop up in Kingdom Hearts. you smell like experience points yeah <laughs> so uh nave what about you history with the series or the soundtrack um i got into kingdom hearts because i realized girls liked it just like almost anything i got into as a child <laughs> it's a valid that's a valid excuse but turns out it's actually really fun there's a lot of numbers that go up all the time and that's my yeah, favorite thing all the time so mm-hmm. which whoever finished the notes thank you because i don't think i touched them but uh the composer <laughs> is yoko shiomura i was and... wondering why there were so many works in there i was like well, damn philip really went in <laughs> no 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 like i, I didn't go to work that was on me Thursday i was bored at work one day so <laughs> and that's usually when i do the notes but final fight street fighter 2 king of fighters kingdom hearts and final fantasy series parasite eve super mario rpg xenoblade chronicles the mario and luigi series and live alive did she do Live all of the xenoblade chronicles I think she just helped on the first one. Oh, is that's okay. the only information I found for? Because yeah, um, but yeah, a very very wide breadth of work. I mean, most people will most notably know her from Kingdom Hearts and Final Fantasy, but she did work for Capcom for a time before she, she came over to Square, and ultimately she freelance works now, but still does most of her work for Square. All right. So for our uh, let's see, what is this? Oh, the I did most have a question for Eric. Though, I'm so sorry to interrupt you. Philip. Yes, no, um, I was just I was just curious though because like I know that obviously like you were talking about Yoko Shimomura's like relationship is so heavily tied to Square. Did she ever like intern or apprentice under like Nobuo Umematsu or any of those other like high tier composers over there? The big not, wigs. Not that I'm familiar with. A lot of stuff that like Umematsu does is stuff that like Yoko Shimomura is not really involved with. So oh, interesting. Um, okay. Like after after nine, Umematsu was kind of less involved with the music for square but he would like consult and work with other composers on like 10 uh final fantasy 10 going forward um okay. and like stuff that he was like known for so like he helped with the final fantasy 7 remake soundtrack so mm-hmm. um no yeah. a lot of stuff that uh she has worked on has kind of been separate from that uh she was already composing like i said for capcom for a number of years before she came over to square so okay. um it's possible they might have worked together on some stuff but as far as my understanding is um, like Uematsu wasn't really involved with Kingdom Hearts. They're kind of like separate divisions they were working on. And and like I said, by then, um, uh, Sakaguchi and all them uh, at the turn of the 2000s, they were just kind of like in more producing roles and stuff rather than right. like hands on making the game. So, yeah, sorry, long winded yeah. question. So the, people <laughs> who, the people who remember our Final Fantasy VIII episode of listening together will remember Uematsu and uh, also remember my story about how I hate him because he's always <laughs> he's always in my top five spotify wrapped because i just listen to the final fantasy soundtracks all the way through all the oh, time so, so good like, so good which, so which could, is the best soundtrack nave the best one i think is probably eight but nine has been growing on me i don't know mm-hmm. if it's on, i don't know if nine is on spotify but i've been listening to it on youtube just like when i'm editing and stuff like that when mm-hmm. i'm making the thumbnails right Nine is actually his, uh, when he's been, had been interviewed, Uematsu says like nine is his favorite work that he's done. Oh, yeah. Interesting. Really? Mm-hmm. It's also the one that I have no nostalgia for because I never played <laughs> nine as a kid. So it's impressive. All right. So our first category, which is the most notorious song. What, Nave, what is all this trash you put in here? I don't understand what I'm looking this at. This is how I usually come up with, I didn't erase it because I was using it to <laughs> my decision on what i wanted to put in the rest of the list but um i usually go on the spotify and youtube and look at the download uh for each song to see which one everyone's listening to and that's usually how i come up with the notorious one but then they dropped the i don't remember if it was nick or if it was eric but you guys one of you dropped a bombshell sanctuary which is obviously the song 
and I don't. It's not on Spotify. Yeah. I'm like, what? It's in not the on. Sp- it's on hell? iTunes. It's, it's, not it's on, on. It's on Spotify. You just it have is. to look at it under um, your girl. What's her face? I'm, uh, Utada, I'm, right? Yeah, Utada. You got to look yeah. under Utada because it's not licensed. And there are, it was there are her different, song. And there are different and versions too because there's Japanese yeah, and like there's a like remix, a radio so. edit. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> oh, exactly. Yeah. So if you just look at it under, uh, under yeah, when Utada. I, I when I go I hit type in sanctuary, I hit Joji. <laughs> I'm like, wait, that's not, <laughs> that's not it at all. Here it is. Yep, this is it for sure. Although okay. that is very fitting for you, Nave, because big sad boy hours. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep, I think I, I found it. it. Uh, so let's take a listen to Sanctuary. Wait, and this isn't wrong. I don't know if if this isn't the right one. Pretend that I played the right one. This is the one. Yeah, if we're going for the one that's the intro, this is the one for sure. Yeah. That right there was the moment where I was like, oh, yeah, I recognize this. <laughs> she starts speaking like, backwards and that's when speak. like Sora like falls through the water, I think. Yeah. 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 I don't think this one quite ever reached the heights of Simple and Clean, but it was still it was still a banger. Yeah. I do like this more than Simple and Clean. Ooh, really? Interesting. Well, I mean, Simple and Clean, I feel like it just has that one Simple and Clean. And after that, I'm like, all right, I'm done. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> the one the one like chorus it's famous for. Um, the, the, I think the intro movie paired with the song is better though than in one by far. I can't remember if the introduction cinematic in Kingdom Hearts 2 is the one where, you know, this is playing and then there's like a great tidal wave that's going towards the Destiny Islands and you see like Riku and he's like turning into Xehanort like, or like back and forth. Is that right? That is correct. Yeah, they do okay. have that. That's a famous scene from the first intro where it's like he's reaching out while the waves are crashing down around him. But yeah, the intro to Kingdom Hearts 2 really kind of shows everything that happened up until the point where two begins so yeah you see all those famous shots from like the first movie and then some stuff that happened during chain of memories where he's like running up the spiral staircase and stuff like that yeah pretty good yeah just brings back a lot of nostalgia yeah i think it was I don't know if it was last year or the year before. Whatever year, like, Coachella came back, Utada actually, like, came and performed, like, this song oh, and Simple and Clean. Yeah, she was, like, no on one of the main way. stages. Yeah, it was wild That's seeing awesome, that. awesome, dude. Yeah, I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> Why wasn't I there? <laughs> so many nerds just seeing her right now. A lot of people are like, what in the hell is going on? I just wanted <laughs> to see Rihanna. <laughs> right. <laughs> All these kids with spiky hair here. What is, what is happening? <laughs> what is going on? Yeah. Oh, the clown shoes. <laughs> yeah, right. Like a juggalo convention almost. <laughs> right. Like, the juggalo are here. Right. His shoes get smaller as the series goes on, so I don't know if yeah. that's... I haven't looked into that. I, suppo- I mean, he's going to be barefoot in four, so <laughs> you know, right. that's what it is. He's going to have the Crocs on sport <laughs> No mode, more fine. clown feet. <laughs> And that is the most known song, you know, Notorious, whatever that category is. We really need to rename that. <laughs> what did you say? Maybe it was like, what, like 5.3 million or something like that? Oh, yeah. It's big a, numbers. A bunch of million. All, everything yeah, else is numbers. in the double digit thousands. And, yeah. And <laughs> yeah, I don't give a fuck. Yeah. I don't think she's, <laughs> she's not as well known here in the States, but over in Japan, she's like a mega she's star. Big. Yeah, she's, she's huge. Big. And it's so interesting, so. too, because so many like J-pop stars or like idols like like on the level of Utada, like they speak English so well, too. Mm-hmm. So it's one of those where it's maybe that's like the prerequisite to getting as big and professional as she is. Like you got to be able to sing some English lyrics so you can right. tip into the mainstream. So She put out a lot of her albums in both languages. So yeah, she did. Yeah, and that's a common K-pop thing, too. That <laughs> yeah, yeah. She's like the Tom Segura of. <laughs> <laughs> I I think that's so interesting. It's like I was talking to this about about this to somebody, but I was talking about the band. Uh, damn, uh, Parkway Drive, and they're from Australia, I think. And they mm-hmm. sing when they sing and they scream. It just sounds like English. And then they are you start talking, mate, and then you fucking. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> what just happened to you? 
All right, so our next category is the song you show off. And I'll lead this with Darkness of the Unknown, which the reason I really want to show this one off is because I haven't played the game, but this one feels like one of the most intense mm-hmm. it gets. Like I'm not sure where this plays in the game, but I'm out, I imagine sitting at my little cubicle at work and someone walks by and you know I got like my headphones on. They're like, hey, man, what, what are you listening to? I'm like, oh, you know, I'm just trying to do some little email checking or something. Got my little background music. I'm like, oh, what do you listen? Take a listen. You listen to this one. Like, damn, you are checking some emails. That's <laughs> <laughs> a nave ass title of the song, too. Yeah. This is actually the, the final boss. This is during the final boss fight. Is it? Yes. All right. Let's take a listen then. Yeah, it starts off hard. This fight actually takes place over three segments. So this first part is kind of like the first part where Sora and Riku are like flying on a ship, like trying to shoot down like this dragon thing. And then there's a middle section and an end section that start like the three uh, phases of the boss fight. So yeah. that's why this song is like seven minutes long, I think. I think my favorite, well, I guess, I, yeah, I don't know when the, the three phases begin or end, but my favorite part is where they're like, they're in the, the midst of like the... Basically, they're floating around in space, and you have to fly around, and you have to, like, press triangle to, like, latch onto asteroids, and yes. you use those to, like, shoot yourself towards... Zemnis? I can't, I can't yeah, remember what, who he was at that point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, it is Zemnis. Yeah, that, it, this okay. whole fight's a, a gigantic spectacle. I mean, yeah, for all of Kingdom Hearts' faults, the end boss fights are huge multi-part spectacles, and this is going back to even Kingdom Hearts 1. And this is like something that I've, I'm also super curious about is that, is that, do you ever in any of the Final Fantasies get to the levels of hype that was that final battle between Sora and Riku and Zemnis? Yes. Or is it like in a different level? I, it just depends, I think. Fif, 15's pretty wild. It gets, 15 really? gets up there, I would say, yeah. Um, from what I've seen. Sky yeah. Wait, wild. somebody goes Super Saiyan in 15? It, it, 15 gets wild at the end. It does. <laughs> yeah. uh, despite yeah. how terrible. I mean, that game's not terrible. It's got problems, obviously. But um, I would say until 15, nothing really matched the, the level of... There was really a divergence at Square at the time. It was your f- traditional Final Fantasy teams that were more like turn-based or doing things that were like more strategic. And then Kingdom Hearts was your action RPG. Yeah. And now... Yeah. Squares made the full transition to going forward with 7 Remake and 16. Yeah. Oh yes. my goodness, Philip. I just realized you were playing a song that somebody else picked further down. This was right my here. notable This was my notable song, yeah. This is which a first. That, Usually which that we wait. No, which is fine. It doesn't matter. And so, yeah, this is... We've transitioned to the, the second boss phase of part that Nick was talking about where, yeah, the asteroid's, like, flying around in space and you're literally flying trying to land like on the dragon's head where Zenith is sitting in his throne shooting lasers at you yes. yeah it's it's a quite a spectacle for sure and then um, the part that I noted when I said the notable was like at 4 minutes and 20 seconds I think wait skip there yeah Eric what right. do you think what do you think the character of Zemnis and Xehanort oh, is no. like a metaphor of <laughs> well I mean oh god here it, comes 420 <laughs> <laughs> It, it depends. That's a that's a loaded question. But uh, the reason I picked it at 420 is because, uh, first of all, Blaze it. And uh, second of all, <laughs> when you compare this end sequence of boss fights to Kingdom Hearts 1, Kingdom Hearts 1, when you're fighting Ansem, has like a real, like, it's heavy orchestra. It's chanting choirs. It's very intense. And when you get to this final iteration with Xemnas in this white void you're fighting him in, essentially... It's a very slow, melancholy track, and the violins come through with this theme, and it's a very emotional fight, because Xemnas is a very, uh, like, melancholic boss. He's not... He's evil, but he doesn't, like, wear evil on his sleeve. He's, like, very sad, and at this point, Sora had just reunited with his best friend, so they're... It's the two of them versus Xemnas, and just this white void at the end of everything, and it's very... I just like the contrast between this and the fight from Kingdom Hearts 1. This is why I highlighted 420. So you're saying Zimnus is just me? Um, essentially, are you? If you're a nobody, do you not have a heart, Nave? You feel nothing. You just pretend to have emotions. What, the funny thing is, my my ex used to call me heartless, like from Kingdom Hearts. Not because I'm mean, 
but I am a little mean. But right. it's because of the Kingdom Hearts. She <laughs> thought I was Small cute, like one of those little, little things. Yeah. yeah. As I was say, like, the Heartless are actually really cute. Yeah, yeah some of them are. Yeah. They're adorable. You, you and the, the sure. Heartless are the ones... Some of Heartless actually have hearts. Uh, nobody's actually don't have hearts, so it's a weird oh, reverse yeah. naming convention. <laughs> Sorry, huh. my, all my nerd knowledge is going to come through. I really apologize. <laughs> So yeah, would you I'm say that looking it's forward to it when we get to Mortal Kombat or something that I also have like a bunch of just niche knowledge of? <laughs> yes, absolutely. So, is it too much of a stretch to say that Zenness is like an allegory for like the two sides of like heaven and hell, like of God and like Satan? Like, do you think like they're they're making some Christian comparisons there because of how he changes over time or like what happens to him when he becomes a nobody? I've I've never thought of it that way just because of the like this this process of steps that happens to getting basically anybody that doesn't know Ansem and Zemnis are the same person or two sides of the same coin and ultimately based off of this person Master Xehanort so uh, and his motivations I would say aren't really a allegory to like heaven or hell or anything like that or anything kind of really like it's a very classic light versus darkness story but there's that gray area there where it's like Darkness isn't inherently evil, and light's not inherently good. It's kind of like they, you need them to exist in balance because they are they balance each other out. That's the natural order of the universe. And that kind of plays into Master Xehanort's motivations towards the end of the series. So... Because, like, um, wasn't his whole, like, objective to, like, study the darkness so you could regulate it? He was trying to make it more manageable as opposed to getting rid of it altogether? He thought there was too much light in the world. He thought that there was an imbalance of light and darkness. And so, okay. and ultimately, when the world got destroyed during Kingdom Hearts Ancient History and Kingdom Hearts was lost, he wanted to, like, re- he wanted to find Kingdom Hearts to basically reset the world so there was a balance is basically okay. what he was trying to do. So it's kind of like the Thanos thing where he's like, if I snap half of the people out of existence, it's helping everybody. And it's like, I agree with your like logic, but you're, the way you're going about it is not the right way at all. <laughs> See, I was thinking this is more of a Dooku thing. You know, he's working outside, not necessarily. Let's not get he, into it. He does kind of have a Dooku allegory because he was part of this order and he kind of left it. Mm-hmm. So there is yeah. some of the history there. That, that's a very good point. I like it. Sorry. Not that I played the game. <laughs> I have not. Yes, right, Philip, but I have listened gas. to a surprising amount of podcasts about Kingdom Hearts. All right. <laughs> so, Nave, what is the song you show off? Uh, I said Lazy Afternoons. This one's going to come up because I'm paying attention to the list. This one's going to come up later. We're just listening to it then when it makes more sense. Okay. Uh, moving right along. Eric, yours is The Other Promise. And why are you going to want to show this one off? This is my favorite song in the entire game. I think it's it's just incredible. It takes... It takes a song that was earlier on the list that I saw was under most notorious Roxas's theme, and it transforms it because this is a point in the story where Sora has a showdown with Roxas, who is Sora's nobody, his the other side of the the other side of it, the coin essentially. And it's a really emotional moment, and you can kind of hear it the way they incorporate Roxas's theme into like this orchestral boss fight but manage to keep it like a really sad moment because at this point sora still doesn't know what the fuck is going on because he never knows what's going on because he's too dense so all right yeah let's hear it hashtag make jrpg protagonists smart again <laughs> everybody around odyssey yeah everybody around sora knows what's going on but sora is just like i'm just gonna do my own thing <laughs> One of my favorite stupid Kingdom Hearts thing, uh, it's like a donkey sum up video. And as oh, he's yeah. summing it up, it just cuts to Donald, and Donald says, What? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's essentially what it is. <laughs> that was the motivation for starting the, the Guiding Keys series, it was pretty much that video. <laughs> yeah, so right here you have the Roxas theme kick in with the flute. Okay, now refresh my memory a little bit, Eric. At the end of Kingdom Hearts 2, when, like, a bunch of, like, really crazy stuff is going on, like, does Sora... He he meets Roxas at one point, or they, like, come to, like, find each other at one point, or they come into contact throughout the course of that yes. game, right? So and, after after this point is when Sora finally figures out that Roxas is his nobody. You play as Roxas at the start of the game. Yes. And the whole point is, like, he has to reunite with Sora because Sora's memories got taken away in the previous game. And to get Sora, like, whole again, he has to reunite with Roxas. That was the whole point that started that game. Um, but yeah, at the after this confrontation happens, where Sora like kind of fights Roxas in his subconscious. Uh, after after you fight Zemnis at the end, 
Sora and Roxas kind of have like this meeting where they talk to each other like in Sora's heart, basically. So yeah, they they are aware of each other and they know what happened. But at the end, like Roxas has to be a part of Sora because that's who he is. And, and Kyrie and Naname like the same thing, right? Yes, yeah. Naname is Kyrie's nobody. So, um, but yeah, this whole fight that kind of crescendos into like this struggle within Sora's heart to like who's going to be the person that that takes over? Is it Sora or Roxas? And yeah. this that's why I love this song so much. Should have been Roxas, so- honestly. <laughs> I do like Roxas better as a character. <laughs> yeah. The, the man, the beginning of the game is the worst part of the game for me. Really? You didn't I like the so beginning. Much. Every time I start the game, <laughs> you're making up, Eric I'm uncomfortable like, <laughs> visually. I just, it's like I just want to get the ticket to get on the dope fucking Disney train and go to the fun part of the game. <laughs> yes. So I, I agree with you, but the whole first part of Guiding Keys Kingdom Hearts Two will be me talking about a lot about why the introduction of this game is actually amazingly well thought out so you have to wait for that otherwise we'll be here all day (laughs) yeah yeah i i really enjoyed the beginning of kingdom hearts 2 and i and i agree with you nave it took way too fucking long like i do agree with that it should have it should have been it should have been like a 15 to 20 minute experience just like crammed together in one and not like this like weird grindy thing because like why would you grind roxas if you're not gonna play as the rest of the game so even how long you were on destiny island the first one was like fine you're there for maybe like an hour and then you were gone yeah that's fine yeah (laughs) that's fine yeah the beginning part of this game does suck to play i will 100 percent agree on that i just think it's such a weird uh it's just such a weird contrast to the rest of the game it is like like as far as as far as it's designed as a video game like, yeah. I think it's interesting if you're interested in the story, mm-hmm. but it's like, I'm the number guy. I wanna, I wanna get some experience. So yep. I, I, don't, I was <laughs> yeah. very upset. It keeps holding you back from those moments until the last yeah. possible moment. So I agree, hundred percent. I was, 100%. Just, I, was, I was dismayed as a kid because after, after. <laughs> watching this game i for the life of me like genuinely believed that the salty sweet popsicles that they were they were eating in the game was a real thing and it just right. wasn't it just isn't nobody has ever made that and it's the biggest marketing miss that square enix has ever had because they could have made millions i'm telling you no more said it was no more said it was based off of uh ice cream that was actually real like an amusement park in japan at one no point way. yeah but now it's like not it's gone a thing anymore yeah now it's gone oh, <laughs> so shit Right. lost memories yes nick what is your song so my song that i would like to show off to everybody best is probably one of my favorites that's on the album for sure um it's the passion uh, orchestrated version which is kind of like an orchestral version of sanctuary that shimamura like made that and, and implemented in the game this theme is revisited a lot um, but this kind of just is because I am such a huge fan of um, orchestral renditions of like similar themes and like really, really good themes and strong themes that are within uh, music OSTs. And I think that that's probably why this is it. And also it fits in with the story and, and what happens to Sora and Rox is both throughout so many different parts and including Kyrie too. Um, and so I think that it just it hits all of those emotional depths that you meet in the game. To take a listen to Passion Kingdom orchestrated instrumental version. <laughs> Can skip to 150 if necessary. Want to go to 150? Well, Wait, give, no, no, give no, it no. just a little bit. I, I agree with Nick too. I love orchestrated versions of just regular songs and like Simple and Clean that came before it. The orchestrated version of Simple and Clean is kind of like the Kingdom Hearts series theme song. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love that they did it with this one too, and I definitely feel this song should be utilized more throughout the series because it yes. isn't as nearly as much as that orchestral version of Simple and Clean was. Mm-hmm. That kind of just became the like the theme song for the whole franchise. Yeah. in the flute in the background too is just it's so good because like mm-hmm. i think one of the most 
interesting aspects to the way that Shimomura composes her music is how much of a deft touch she has. She mm-hmm. is not jamming her melodies and the like the message that she's trying to convey through the music down your throat. It's kind of like she's just lightly teasing those those like those melodies and the arpeggios, the hooks that she has in her music. Um, and I watched an interview that she did with a, a Japanese creator, and it was really really good because she was talking about how her method and her process of composing these songs especially the songs that you would listen to on repeat is that she wants her her identity and like she wants the the she actually takes into account what is happening to the characters in the game and wants to really seamlessly blend that into the music but not make it feel like it's too repetitive she wants you to feel like you're in the moment and you're focusing on what you're doing but the music is like pleasing to listen to and she really does use those a couple of select instruments to kind of sprinkle those melodies in there. Yeah. Uh, like on Other Promise, we heard the flute carry the melody through that one. Uh, she highlights the oboe a lot in the Kingdom Hearts series, which yeah, isn't so an, <laughs> which isn't an instrument that normally gets highlighted in an orchestral setting like that. But it it carries a lot of the main themes of the song. And yeah, like Nick said, she did a good job of making sure the music tells the story that's happening as you're watching it play out on screen. It's one of the best examples in gaming of a the music also telling the story and even enhancing the story if you know what you're yes. listening to uh, when you're watching the cutscenes. song is very good. Yes. What you were saying about liking an uh, orchestrated part uh, interpretations of songs, I really like to hear other, inter- like, even like guitar or like harp versions of yeah. songs that I'm familiar with. I really yeah. love that kind of thing. There's this uh, guitarist, John Oath, who made a Final Fantasy album where he just plays on acoustic guitar and plays all different uh, themes from each That's Final incredible. Fantasy game. It's really That's good. Awesome. He yeah. has a lot from Final Fantasy VII as well, and it really highlights how much I love Final Fantasy VII. Where like every single one of those songs are so different because it's just one guitar. You can only do so much. But yeah. the way that he gets around different parts is so interesting. Having like a million people doing like a million talented musicians all playing in sync, like in an orchestra like this is really cool. Yeah. All right. Let's roll right into our next category. The notables. These songs might not be the best. But these are songs that whenever we saw them, they spoke to us. And the one that spoke to me was the Shipmaster Shanty. Or Shipmeisters. Ex- of course. Excuse me. It's because you've been playing Sea of Thieves, Bill. <laughs> no, 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 no. See, that was the problem. It's like, I don't know. There's a bunch of the uh, the Gummy Ship songs in here. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I hated the oh, Gummy yeah. Ship segments in the first game. <laughs> I don't know if they got they're better. Awful. Really? Are they that bad? In the first game, the first game, they're pretty lackluster. They really like if you want to see the the jump from one to two in any way, the gummy ship sections in two blow one out of the water, like completely. I hope the ones in two could be their own game. They could be. It's it's a very much uh, like Japanese shmups type of thing. It's it's insane. All right, so let's take a listen to Shipmaster Shanty. Yeah, boy. (laughs) This one, I don't know, it was just listen I was just talking at work. I was just listening to all these songs. Just play on loop pretty much. And everyone this this one just pops up on me while I'm looking at my emails. I'm like, like Do you have your headphones in while you're at work all day? No, uh, like we don't have phones or anything like that, so I just have like the YouTube playlist. Oh, and okay. It's for like Skype and they're like talking to each other. So I just have like the one ear. Yeah. Oh, nice. Nice. And it's weird because most people don't listen to music at work. So they'll walk by and be like, oh, are you in a meeting? And I'm like, no. As I have my headphones on. <laughs> you say literally nothing else? No, I'm not. Yes, this is a very important call. Please leave me alone. <laughs> and he's listening to this song. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, compared to, yeah, just even the music from the gummy sections in King Hearts 1 and King Hearts 2. Yeah, this this song jams. I love this song. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Leave me alone, Johnson. I'm doing very important military <laughs> work over here. Yeah. Well, they sprinkle Track, in uh, the, tracking the, 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 the Chinese spy balloon. 
was that was that your job, Philip? You can be no, honest. You can I'm tell not us. Not involved with the spy balloon incident. <laughs> that, what, what is that? Is that NORAD's responsibility? I don't know how they like delineate these yeah departments. Because, guys, I'm getting oh, a phone call. It's Joe course. Biden. Uh, yeah, he told awesome. me to stop talking about this. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Oh Nate, my God. What is the song that you found notable? Uh, so it's the Olympus Coliseum, and this is one of those that really. It really hammered home how much more nostalgic I am for Kingdom Hearts 1 than 2. Really? <laughs> so when I first, as a kid, played Kingdom Hearts 2, I I legit bounced off the game at the beginning. Like, what? I got, like, oh, three jobs of... in, and I was like, I, I'm not doing this. I'm going to play Mortal Kombat Deadly Alliance instead. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but so I had to play Kingdom Hearts 2 way later on the PlayStation 3, I think, on a collection. And um, so when I heard Olympus Coliseum, I was just taken back. I was like... Oh, it's here, the where yep. I grinded and tried to kill Cloud and stuff like that in, in, in the first game. Uh, yeah. So go ahead and hit it. Why is mine highlighted? Who did that? Who's, who's messing had, with me? I think he was copying and pasting it. Maybe. Yeah, it was me. I was, I was copying it. <laughs> All right, hitting it. Oh, yeah. That's that good stuff. This is an. I think this is another point of just how good Shimomura is. She had the difficult task of not only composing original works for Kingdom Hearts, but also making sure the music appeased Disney and made sure that it represented yes. their their properties fairly. Yeah. Uh, because when you're working with the House of Mouse and how, with how protective they are of all of their intellectual property, you got to make sure you're on point. And I can't imagine that it was an easy situation to work with Disney, especially at this time. They were basically at the height of their powers coming off of the Disney Renaissance. Yeah, because that's that's a question of mine, Eric, because like because we didn't have a John Drake back then when they were making Kingdom Hearts 2. So mm. who was involved that was working with Square and trying to, you know, talk to, you know, Nomura about like how they're using the Disney products? Like, was there a like a liaison between the two companies? It was I'm, Jiminy Cricket. Yeah, it was Jiminy Cricket, honestly. Uh, I'm not 100% sure the way that works. And at this time, well, it wouldn't have been this time anymore, but at the time of Kingdom Hearts 1 development, Square and Disney were sharing a building, so collaboration was probably easier. But I would assume it would be whoever was in charge of of Disney Interactive. Uh, So probably the Disney Interactive team and the Square Enix team would collaborate, and then I assume they would go to whoever is in charge of Disney's IP, probably their team of lawyers. And then uh, there's even some interviews with Bob Iger when he was still the CEO saying that um, reasons why they let certain worlds be in Kingdom Hearts or certain. So the decisions did actually go all the way up to the chain, sometimes as high as, as the CEO. Wow. So yeah, uh, when when you're dealing with something as, as important as Disney. And that was kind of the, the reason too why Mickey wasn't in Kingdom Hearts 1 as much because they're very protective of Mickey. But once they saw the first yeah. one be a success, they're like, okay, maybe we can let him be in the second game a little bit more, which he is a lot more. So, yeah, He's I can't imagine that that corporate awesome nightmare. Character. Yeah, he is. I can't imagine that corporate nightmare trying to even work all that shit out. Trying to manage it. Yeah, I'm sure yeah. people had sleepless <laughs> nights trying to deal with Disney. With yeah, that. definitely. Yeah. All right. Uh, next notable would be for Eric, and we already played yours, The Darkness of the Unknown. Yep. And Nick, what did you choose for your notable? So this is interesting because we just played uh, Olympus Coliseum. And so, you know, at the the end of the Olympus Coliseum, you get to fight Cloud, which is an awesome fight. Super fun, really enjoyable. Uh, At Hollow Bastion, there is a side area that you can go to. It's not really pointed at directly. Like you don't really get led there by the game, but it's just there. And because I was like, I was a little troll back then. And I was like, I want to scour every part of every map in this game. I was a little, yeah, a little gamer goblin back then. I was like, what the fuck? Who's this guy with the long silver hair and this big ass fucking samurai sword? And boom, you're He's met so with cool. Sephiroth. He's so cool. I want to be just like him. Yeah. Yes. Oh <laughs> this is going to be my he personality turns around for the rest of my life. Like, he was like, uh, he says one wing angel or something silly like that. <laughs> this and is his have... catchphrase. He just says the. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But Activate no, power. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That's all he says. Right. Sephi, Sephi, Sephiroth. Right. Um, <laughs> but uh no that's my song that i chose one wing angel because uh kingdom hearts 2 is a really important game just because like it's my one of the you know baby's first jrpg like action jrpg and this was i think probably the first time 
in my like gaming life at that age playing games like this where i was truly fat like faced with a a skill challenge like a hard skill check and this is a skill check at the end of the game like you don't have to fight him but he's there and i was like i'm gonna beat him and i fought this boss i don't i don't want to say hundreds of times it couldn't have been hundreds of times but a lot a lot a lot a lot lot before (laughs) i realized what i had to do and how i had to grind and it just like this is like one of the nostalgia and this is the first time i think i ever heard uh like the one wing angel that nobuo uematsu we mentioned before composed prior to watching um you know advent children and i think like after this game i was like what's the deal with this final fantasy 7 stuff and i found advent children and i watched and i was like oh this is amazing um so yeah yeah hit it all right let's hit one wing angel So is this straight from seven? Yeah, pretty much. I I feel like it's a like a reimagined it's, version. It's I an feel arranged like, version, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think it's like the same one because it's a little lighter than. It like, jumps in right normal. here. Normally there'd be more music, but it jumps yeah. in right here to just the chorus. So yeah. they truncated it a little bit for the battle. Well, it's like so Final Fantasy. <laughs> yeah. uh, in Final Fantasy seven, <laughs> it's like all uh, bit music, right? Yeah, it's like it's yeah. simulated orchestra. Yeah. So this might have been along with Evan Children and in Kingdom Hearts one the first time this was fully orchestrated. There's a high possibility of that. That would be awesome. Yeah. Bum, 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 bum. Yeah. And say, like, and and the thing is, is for for people who haven't played this game, when you fight Sephiroth out of the gate like they're telling you like you need to be serious about this shit because he does like an immediate like slash attack that will reduce Sora's health to one um and if you don't and if, and if you don't like parry it or like dodge or like hit the qte correctly like you're just gonna get wiped out and half of his attacks are like that like you can't fight him willy-nilly you have to be like super aggressive it's kind of like bloodborne like you cannot mm-hmm. let up off the brakes when you're fighting sephiroth um and it's just like it's just a really fun cool battle and i just i think it's so interesting and this is like the epitome of why kingdom hearts is so fucking cool because it doesn't make sense that sora donald and goofy are fighting this like epic final fantasy 7 boss but it fits it just somehow fits in this world and i love it so much the song is just the other day when i was scrolling facebook reels i came across a performer i don't know what his performance is but he had a bunch of whips and he was like whipping targets at the same time doing uh what's called he's like sing with no music like archipelago oh okay yeah yeah and he was doing like suggestions from the crowd they would just call out songs and he would do it and someone yells out one wing angel and he stops (laughs) And he looks out of the crowd, he's like, you know, when they did the remake, like 10 years ago, Final Fantasy VII remake, uh, that came out, he's like, I figured that someone was going to ask for that. And it took me five years to have someone actually ask for it, but I learned every word of that song. And then he goes straight into it. And he's That's wild. Going straight into it, like, oh my Is he God. singing like the, like the, the actual operatic orchestral yes. vocals? Oh That's wild. Awesome. It's, it's I think incredible. I think I've seen that guy. He's like the has the mustache. He's like the whip guy. Wears like a vest. I think I've seen that guy. I don't know, but I just scrolled across it and saw it, and I'm like, oh my god! And it was frozen for three <laughs> minutes as I watched him sing all of <laughs> while cracking whips. Wait, can a minute. you can you put can you put that that link in the chat? I, I like really want to see this now. All right, let me Wait. see. Let me see. It's red impressive. alert. Whenever you get what? the chance. Oh, Breaking we got a red news. I think. Dude, I think Budokai is getting remastered. Dragon Ball Z. Budokai. Dragon Ball Z Budokai? Something's happening. Some, where, I don't know what. Do I, everything's Japanese. I can't read it. Good. Where do you see this? Here, 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 here. I'm about to lose my fucking mind. If this is what this is. I don't know what this there is. Were, it's Dragon Ball Z Budokai Tenkaichi 4 announcement trailer 25 minutes ago. Four? Dude! That's what Wait, I'm looking at right now. Go. We oh did it, boys. We did it, boys. The eagle has fucking landed. Breaking news. Why would they do all that when the... they have Fighter Z? That's kind of crazy. All Fighter of these been out for a long time. Yeah, I guess. It's yeah. a 3D fighter. It's a 3D fighter. It's different. Yeah, it's an arena fighter. I am so. This makes me so happy that they're returning to like this style of Dragon Ball game. I'm so happy. Who's developed? Do we know who's developing it? Please don't say Bandai right now. Yeah, it's Bandai Namco. Fuck! I just see the screenshot that says, A new Budokai Tenkaichi begins. Toy animation, Bandai Namco. They're shitty new logo. Ugh. 
all I want is a Dragon Ball game developed by Arc System Works. That's all I'm asking for. Is that too much to ask, guys? Oh, isn't that what Fighter Z is? Isn't Fighter Z done by Arc System Works? Yes. A better game done by Arc System Works. I'm sorry for derailing us. We, That's fine. But I lost. I couldn't think about anything else when I saw this video. <laughs> Okay, so that covers all of our notable songs. And we have a final category, and I, I think we got confused at some point about coming up with if you each had your own category, but we ended up with songs that unlock the heart. I don't remember who chose this. <laughs> it was I, I threw it out sarcastically, and that ended up being it. So Okay, excellent. That, our I guest category was selected by Nave. Outstanding. So let's start with uh, insert here, Philip. I chose Missing You. And this was one that I kept coming back to. Like multiple times, I, I knew this one was going to make it. This one made it all the way to the end. This was like my my tournament bracket winner was Missing You. Because every time I listen to another song, I'm like, I just want to go back to listen to Missing You again. Because the way That's the fair. piano hits, like, let's just take a listen. a really good note progression right there mm -hmm. I don't know there's just something about these more somber slower down songs They're really such as like Gwen Lord of Cinder or uh, The Promise in Final Fantasy Final Fantasy 13 yeah. It just hit me so hard that even though they are like the simpler songs and they might not even be that long, but I just come back to them more than any other the other super overly composed works. I think I think one of the reasons for that too, and and they talk a lot about this in um just like in film and stuff, is just like the usage of negative space. And I think the same holds true for music in a lot of cases. And I think like that's one of the reasons why I love uh, Shimomura so much as a composer is because like she is able to like use restraint a lot of the times so until like she doesn't have to make it like you know like dripping with sadness but it's like this like slight sheen of just like um, I don't know remorse and regret that you have a lot and that you experience a lot throughout this game um, yeah it's really interesting I'll just link it back to Dark Souls again but when I heard like Gwyn Lord of Cinder mm -hmm. like I get a similar feeling when I hear this. I haven't haven't played through two, but hearing this song, it cracks my heart. It unlocks my heart when I hear it. It's during a particularly touching scene too, where at the end of one, Kyrie and Sora are separated, and when Sora's memories get all messed up in Chain of Memories, everyone kind of forgets who he is, and as his memories are being put back together, people start to remember who he is, and Kyrie writes this message in a bottle to this boy she can't remember and sets it off. Adrift in the sea. Are you trying to make me cry right now? Yeah, uh, it's it's what real it, touching. It's really touching. What are we in middle school right now? <laughs> reading my poetry. I love the sappy stuff. Like I love the. It's it's really yeah. good. All right. Enough of that. Enough sadness. <laughs> Enough sadness. I think this is just all going to be sadness. Yeah. And meanwhile, Nate, what's the song you picked? <laughs> I picked Kyrie. I actually had Missing You pulled up, and then I was like. I've all, I think every single one of mine would be something someone else chose. So I flipped <laughs> to Kyrie because it's pretty good. It is. All right. Well, let's listen to some Carrie. Carrie. <laughs> That's what they call her down here in uh, Oklahoma. <laughs> it's it's different in the day. fucking flute man she kills it i'm thinking about that little that acoustic guitar in the background too yeah it's subtle but it's very powerful it was really gives me vibes of i don't know if you guys have played a near auto tomato but there's <laughs> how dare you <laughs> every time that joke kills every time <laughs> Like when you go through the survivors camp or whatever, like the people living on Earth, and there's just like 
low acoustic guitar bits when you're just going by all these people that are like basically dying yeah. slowly. Yep. <laughs> now I'm really sad. No spoilers yeah. for uh, <laughs> weird tomatoes. Yeah. I love. I, I think out of all the themes, Kyrie has a really, really strong, memorable one. It's just a shame that. You know, the first couple of games they they build her up as like this character that has a special connection to Sora, but then the stereotypical RPG thing happens where she's just kind of like a damsel motivating factor yeah, for him to yeah, go off on adventures. Yeah, she's a MacGuffin, basically. Yeah, she's an essentially. Object. So, which is really but disappointing. They, but did they? Was she still an object in two? Did they kind of like gave her a little bit more agency? She kind of like fought a little bit. She got her own Keyblade, didn't she? Uh, at the near the end, yes. Uh, but Axel ended up kidnapping her. And uh, yeah. was using it to motivate Sora because he wanted to see Roxas again. And then the organization ended up like kidnapping her. So mm. she was just kind of like a damsel most of the time. But yeah, towards the end, she did get agency and she's like, well, I broke out of prison, but I'm going to fuck up some people on the way out. So I yeah. actually really appreciate that she's a damsel in distress because Kingdom Hearts story is so convoluted and crazy already. It, any attempt yeah. to simplify something <laughs> yeah. is appreciated by is, someone with a small brain like me. That's Man sure. Rescue Girl is a very uh, is a motivation that anybody yeah. can understand. I agree. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, got it. I can do that. Me, Man Rescue Girl. <laughs> I don't know about Ansem or the other Ansem or the third Ansem or the Heartless Ansem. I don't know about any of those guys, but I go get Girl. Yes, you know that if you, <laughs> I, I go. I go get girl. Move the letters around in his name. You get Sora. Yes. I don't want to talk about it because <laughs> all, all nobody's have an X in their name. Oh, Sora. Is that really it? Sora. I yes, that's what it is. The names, but I didn't. I'm yeah, like, oh, there's no X in Sora. Come on, guys. everybody. Everybody in the organization that has a name uh, has their name rearranged and an X put in it from the person they used to be. Oh, yes. Oh, that's the fascinating. Only, the only X's I care about. Are the ones that live in Texas? You ever start say you ever start saying God a joke it, and then halfway through you're like this joke fucking sucks, but I already started. You committed commit. to it. It's fine. I Eric, appreciate it. Can I continue to pick your brain about Organization Thirteen <laughs> and Roxas though? Sure. Please, I am I am so curious because like I can't remember if this I have this image of Roxas sitting on like the main center throne of like their chairs that are like lifted up high. Yeah. And he's like, he, it makes it look like he's fucking running shit. Like he is in charge of organization 13. Right. Was he in charge of it in like in two or was this like after two and like we were experiencing flashbacks in two. So in between kingdom hearts, one and kingdom hearts two, uh chain of memories and three, five, eight over two days take place. And the mobile game and yeah right and uh roxas was when he was created was originally found by xemnas and brought into the organization because he could wield the keyblade was essentially what happened because they needed him for their plans and so for about a year 358 days roughly yeah roxas works as an agent of the organization he's number 13 so he's actually the lowest man on a totem pole but that circular room has thrones for each of the members xemnas has the highest one but other ones are just kind of all over the place oh interesting but, okay but there is a scene of him yeah where he is sitting in that room and he did work for the organization for about a year before he kind of figured out what was going on and yeah riku kidnapped him so <laughs> yeah nice nice which speaking of riku and kidnapping Eric, what is your uh your final pick for songs that unlock the heart yeah songs that unlock the heart i did pick riku's theme because the way I said that Sora and Kyrie were supposed to have like this special connection and the game is supposed to be about them. That is hundred percent not true. This game is about Sora and Riku and it is about a genuinely beautiful, strong, emotional male friendship with nothing else attached. And yeah. for this entire game, <laughs> since the end of kingdom hearts one, Sora has been searching for Riku. And when he finally finds him in Riku's theme plays, it's just such a overall, like, Sora doesn't give a shit that he found Kyrie. He basically hugs her and is like, oh my god, Kyrie, I see you. But when he finds Riku, he falls Gross. to his knees and starts crying, yeah, finding his yes. best friend. Brutal. Yeah. So, and <laughs> I just think that it's this amazing representation of a male friendship that's beyond dude, bro, sports, beer, you know, hanging out with the boys type of relationship that isn't explored often in games. So that's why I picked it. But but that's maximum bro, isn't it? <laughs> with your homies? I mean, I don't know. Yeah, they don't cry with the homies. About Majima and Kiryu. Oh, yeah. yeah. I was yeah. thinking about Pierce and Chris. I was like, well, thinking, <laughs> they don't have to be gay. I'm telling you. <laughs> no, no, they don't have to be gay, no. but it seems like it, it, it tastes better if they are. <laughs> it's like, I don't like how you describe that. Hit the yeah, damn song. I don't either. I'm very uncomfortable. <laughs> 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 
And as before on the previous track, like Nave mentioned, I really like the, the little bit of acoustic that they added in the background. I really think brings it up a nice notch. I think it's, it's such a good subtle theme for the characterization of out of all the characters in Kingdom Hearts I think Riku has by far the most compelling story arc because he ultimately does fall on kind of betray all of his friends and he spends a majority of the rest of the series trying to um, prove himself worthy uh, and atone for the mistakes that he made in the earlier games so uh, I just think this theme fits perfectly with his characterization his, and his struggle with all the mistakes that he made but did he do anything wrong? I mean, like I, I, like I don't. I thought that he was just immediately fucking kidnapped by Xehanort and like twisted and like manipulated and all that, right? Well, in the beginning, in the beginning of one, he's a giant dick, and he's oh. kind of like that one friend in the group that everybody had in their friend group when they were younger that kind of like had to let everybody know they were better than everybody else at everything. It's kind of like I mean, the ringleader really jumping on those yes. uh, platform three things or whatever they were. Very yeah. good at jumping and. Um, he kind of always viewed Sora as like this rival. And so when they get separated at the start of the first game, Maleficent finds him and basically kind of twists his mind and says, hey, Sora is off on his own adventure now. He doesn't care about you or Kyrie or anything. And that kind of leads him to seek power, whereas, yes, he ultimately Ansem is able to take over his heart. You know, the classic anger leads to hate. Hate leads to suffering. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. the Yoda thing. More Star Wars. Yeah, I got yes. <laughs> suffering leads to pizza. Yes, right. <laughs> it's true. Dude, I could kill some pizza right now. I think you just determined what dinner was going to be for me, Nave. I just, you can see my very open good. pizza boxes back there. <laughs> what is that? Is that, a, is that a, a Papa John's? Yeah, it is Papa John's. <laughs> <laughs> Better oh, PJs? Better pizza. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Nick, what is your pick? I know this came up earlier with Nave for see, his song he shows off, right? Yeah, I... You know, you know, the thing is, is that I feel like the more I get to know Nave, the more I'm just convinced that we're like low key the same person. <laughs> um, and and, you know, I, I feel like that, you know, this is probably like one of the best songs. And one of, you know, I say like a lot of these songs are nostalgic for me just because they are. But this just gives me all of the good vibes. This is a song, uh, Lazy Afternoons. And if I'm not mistaken, this is like one of the main themes that, uh, during the intro sequence that we talked about earlier, where you play as Roxas leading up to finding Sora so you can wake Sora up so he can, you know, basically play the game. And it's just the the way like it's it's slightly melancholy but not too much but then at the same time it's just like it seems like peaceful it's relaxing and it's just it reminds me of my early childhood it reminds me of the days where i like wanted to like not go to school and like me and you know me and my friends went off and did something you know crazy or just walked around you know the city or just got into shenanigans and didn't really do much but it was still like that that kind of that peaceful sense that you get of not really a lot is going on in my life right now and i know it's not always going to be that way but i'm okay with where it is and that that's why i chose this one nay why would you show this one off it's good all right let's take a listen <laughs> oh, yeah. the thing harvest it, moon vibes it directly ins uh, reminds me of fisherman's horizon from final fantasy 8 which i think is the song i showed off in that games mm-hmm I like this stuff. This is what I'm about. I like we get a nice parallel too to the when you visit Traverse Town in the first game. It has that yeah. iconic saxophone theme, and we yeah. get a little bit of that here too. Not the exact same theme, but with the I think that's a, a higher alto saxophone, maybe. I think it's if, an alto sax. Yeah, yeah. if Rick it could be an oboe. Probably, it, you're right. It could be. It could be. Ooh, if Rick hears this, he might kill me. I don't know. But uh, yeah, I just like how we kind of have that same kind of vibe from Traverse Town 1 to Twilight yeah. Town and 2. It's just this cozy, like exactly. Nick 
nailed the description of this song so perfectly. Big move. That only just makes me yeah. want to just be outside yeah. in the spring. <laughs> in the yeah. right now. Yeah. It's like you're it's like summertime, like when you're with family and it's like the sun is setting and the fireflies start to come out and it's just like all of those oh, yeah. warm lake. vibes. Yeah, you know. Yeah. It's it's sunset, you're on summer vacation, you got a couple more months before you gotta go back to school. Exactly. Yeah. Summer vacation like, is over. And and, and <laughs> that's the over. thing that I remember, like the thing that made me so sad about like Roxas's story and the fact that he couldn't actually live his life and he realized that he couldn't because like he was so committed to his friends like he was so committed to trying to like make things right for them and uh connect with them and it was just the, it was like one of those classic like Japanese storytelling things where they get you emotionally invested in a character and then they rip that character away from you to like not show again until a much later point in time to like bring out those emotions yeah, it's it's very tragic because you realize that nothing you do with Roxas in the start matters, and that's also yeah. kind of the way he feels, is that nothing he did these last six days matter, or nothing he's done across the course of any of the games matter, because ultimately he was always destined to return to Sora, so, yeah. You know, I was talking talking crap about the beginning of the game, but genuinely it's because I feel Roxas too much, and it, it hurts me at a deep level, <laughs> it hurts so I can't me. finish it. Yeah, it, it's rough. <laughs> It's very rough. All right. At this point, I want to thank our guests, Nick and Eric. I'm so glad we were able to talk about some uh, Sword Sword Boys, Kingdom Hearts 2.5, <laughs> all those things. Sword and Keys, thank you for, for having uh, me back on again. I would be on every Listening Together episode if I could, although I know people <laughs> will probably get sick of me. Um, but yeah, really, really happy and uh, grateful that I could be a part of this episode with you guys and Eric. Thank you. It's always a pleasure to come on and record with uh, Nave and Phil and always Nick, you three times now going on. We're going to set a record this year, but uh, <laughs> no, we'll just keep making shows together, man. Yeah, uh, no, I really appreciate it. And you guys let me pick a soundtrack that means so much to me, a game that means so much to me and allow me to come and ramble about no more nonsense on your show. So that's the <laughs> no, that's, that's the great. greatest that's the greatest honor I could ask for. And uh, it was it was a great time. This is the point for final feelings anyway. So if you were to leave our dear co-op listeners at home with some final feelings about this, like a recommendation for other songs. What would you say to him, Eric? Uh, oh, I can't think of any songs specifically off the top of my head. I, I love all the boss themes. Really, any of the non-Disney Kingdom yeah. Hearts songs, I think are, are like, I think the, the Disney World songs are, are fantastic in their own right. But anything that's written for, like, specifically, I call, like, the story of Kingdom Hearts, uh, like the 13th Struggle, Organization 13 theme, uh, all of those are absolutely incredible. And as you listen, kind of listen for those themes because themes from other songs tend to show up in other songs. And yeah. it kind of tells the story of the game when other characters' themes kind of show up in other songs and really just uh, another storytelling device for the madness that is Tetsuya Nomura. So, yeah, listen to the whole soundtrack. It's four hours. It's fantastic. <laughs> Skip the Atlantica songs. Those are awful. Oh, my God. So yeah, bad. they're terrible. They're terrible. Nick made the fucking Under the Sea song my notable one, and I oh, scream about how I much I hate. I would have. I'm I hate that whole thing. At the outro song you picked, I'm like, man, it's weird you didn't pick the Ursula song. <laughs> I would have killed, like, I, I don't, I'll say I would kill myself, but I would have worn the Kill Me Knave shirt if one of those would have killed Oh, yeah. I'm wearing, I'm wearing it. I don't know if we said it on the show yet, but it is in the Seinfeld font that says Kill Me. It's some Chris Ray gun merch. It's fucking awesome. All right, Nick, what about you? Final feelings? Yeah, final feelings, final thoughts. Uh, I have to echo, echo Eric's. Um, sentiments about this this soundtrack and this this ost um to the t like everything that is non-disney is like peak final fantasy in all of the best ways you can imagine in the way that she arranges her music and the the orchestration that she's able to to hit especially is as the the attention that she pays to each and every individual instrument um some songs that you know i would point to like like he said like organizations 13 is really good um there's and also some of the battle songs that you have throughout this game the different world levels like they are good and like this is less of a just like let's pick like you know single there's not singles off of this really like they're all just like one cohesive thing but if you have a job kind of like uh philip and i where you're stuck and you're staring at spreadsheets all day and you're really not doing too much this is a perfect 
uh, OST where you can like plug it in, play it, and you're just like you're just bouncing in your chair while you're typing on your little computer with the keyboard. Yeah, exactly. um, so <laughs> I highly recommend it for that to to get you through your day. Exactly like you said, four hours long. So boom, that's half of the day right there. Uh, my final feelings is I really enjoyed the soundtrack. I'm glad we got to do this one because I don't like. I listen to a lot of video game music. Like I have a whole playlist of just like maybe songs from every game I've ever heard of. I'm like, sure. Street fighter 2.3 or whatever, put that in there. And maybe I'll <laughs> listen to those tracks and be like, man, none of these are really hidden for me right now. And then realize these are like from a port that didn't do very well or something like that. Like, okay. But whenever I was able to put on this playlist and just listen while I'm at work, I listened to this the whole time we were playing through uh, hot wheels unleashed mediocre game great soundtrack until yeah. the once again until the ursula song pops on and i'm like oh god <laughs> and jana walks by it's like what are you listening to like, it's japanese ursula just go with it <laughs> just go with it <laughs> yeah but it's gonna be recommended for me nay final feelings uh it's a it's very much a mood i wouldn't recommend listening to the whole soundtrack it's like fucking four hours and 99 <laughs> minutes long and a lot of it's gummy music but um there are some specific songs especially the ones that we played here uh there are a lot of pretty specific songs that evoke a lot of emotion even if you haven't played the game i haven't mm-hmm. played Kingdom Wars 2 in a long time and i don't have much nostalgia for it but i do genuinely enjoy the music that was uh provided for us it almost transcends video game osts some of it yeah Great. All right, and what are we listening to next time, Nave? Fuck if I know. I think Chrono Trigger. <laughs> we we can't get away Ooh. from these uh, Japanese games. Chrono That's Trigger. A good one. Let's go. That's a good one. All right. Have we so, done a Nintendo game? We need to do a Nintendo game. We did Pokemon <laughs> as our pilot episode. We need, oh yeah. We need to return though. Uh, Gen one, for the record. Nice. But I'm gonna be leaving you guys with Fantasia a la Marcia, and the music plays. <laughs> <laughs>